I'm going to read today from a passage that has been perplexing to many Christians. It's found in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, verse 12 of chapter 2. He writes there, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This verse has caused Christians a great deal of difficulty from time to time as they've thought about working out one's own salvation with fear and trembling. Sometimes they have uh, taken the verse to mean that you have to save yourself by your own good works and you better be very careful about it because if you don't do a good job, you're going to be damned to hell. Now, it's just the opposite of that, of course, that the scriptures always teach. A man goes to hell not because he uh, has failed to work out his own salvation, but because he has failed to accept the salvation that there is in Jesus Christ. No man can save himself from hell. And it's very clear that this passage is in no way contradicting that truth which is taught throughout the scriptures. All through the Old Testament, the sacrificial system spoke about the need for a sacrifice to deal with sin. The guiltless lamb had to be slain for the guilty sinner. Its life had to be taken and its blood had to be poured out so that the sinner could be forgiven and let free. There was no other way than by a substitute dying in the place of the guilty sinner that his sins could be washed away. And this lamb of the Old Testament sacrifice pointed to the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who was to come and did come and shed his blood and did shed his blood on that cross, giving his life in place of guilty sinners. So the only way we can be saved is by the sacrifice of a Savior who died in our place. And we cannot by our own good works save ourselves. It must be done for us by a substitute, a sacrificial substitute who felt the wrath of God in a penal and judgmental way in our stead. And that is what Jesus Christ did. Well then this passage must be understood in harmony with those things because the same writer who tells us that we must work out our own salvation in Philippians 2.12, also tells us in Ephesians that it is not by works of righteousness and that it is not of works, lest any man should boast. So our salvation is a free gift, Paul tells us in Romans, and in Philippians he tells us here that we must work out our own salvation. How then can we understand Philippians 2.12? I'm going to try to help you to understand that verse by turning you to the very beginning of the letter of Philippians. Paul writes, and Paul is writing from Rome in prison, don't forget. He writes to the Philippians and, and opens his letter with these words. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. He's not writing to people who need to be saved, but he's writing to saints. Saints are not canonized people who after their death have performed miracles. These were living people who received this letter in Philippi. They were saints who were living in Philippi, Paul says. A saint is every Christian, and every Christian is a saint in the sight of God. The word saint means somebody who is set apart, set apart from those who do not know God to God for very special purposes and to be his special or peculiar people. Even the, uh, the word saint or the word holy or the word righteous are all the same words in the original. And uh, the word saint, which means set apart ones or holy ones, uh, was the word that was used in the form of holiness of the pots and pans in the temple in the Old Testament. 
you had holy pots and holy pans. Now a pan in the Old Testament was not morally holy. There's nothing more moral about one pan than about another and nothing immoral about another frying pan. But a frying pan was holy because it was set apart for temple use and temple use and the sacrifice and the use of the, of the uh, temple only. That means that I couldn't if I, my pan wasn't working or you couldn't if you, you lost your frying pan, go down to the temple someday and uh, say uh, to one of the Levites down there, say, I lost my frying pan, could I borrow one of your temple pans for a while? Well, the Levite would tell you, no, you can't have that pan. It's been set apart for special use. And that's what the word saint means, one who has been set apart. You can't uh, fry bacon and eggs in it, particularly that bacon. Uh, you can't fry bacon and eggs in it because it's set apart for the use of the temple only. It's a special pan used for a special purpose. And God says, these Philippians already were Christians who were being used for a special purpose, that is to honor God and to especially uh, uh, follow and love and serve him. So we know already then that these people were saved. We know that they were Christians. We know that they were believers. And so when Paul writes, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, he must mean something else. And it's that something else that he means that we're going to try to find out today and in the broadcast to come. I'm going to hold you in suspense a little bit, and you're going to have to tune into the next broadcast, the one that follows this, in order to begin to find out what Paul's talking about, because this is going to take us a little bit longer than it might take us ordinarily. And you might wonder what this has to do with problems. Well, this first broadcast isn't going to give you all the answers to that, but we're going to get to the answers to that maybe in the next broadcast or perhaps even in the third. It possibly will take us three broadcasts in all to talk about this full subject. And so I'm just beginning today. But the first thing we want to see is that Paul is not saying in this verse that you need to be saved by some kinds of good works that you do. Now, what is Paul talking about? Well, the first thing I want you to see, and you can look at this after the broadcast is over today, is that when you're trying to get an answer to a particular verse, you go to the context and you try to see what the context itself says and how it will help you. The first thing in the context we saw was that Paul was writing to Christians, people who were already saved and who were set apart to God, who were called saints. So he wasn't telling them they needed to be saved if they were already saints, if they were already saved. But the other thing I want you to notice is that the context of this verse begins earlier. Paul starts verse 12 with the word, so then, my beloved. And whenever you read verses, a verse that has something like therefore or wherefore or so then, always ask yourself the question, what is it that came before this? Because this is kind of a conclusion to what has come before. And I'm going to ask you now, during the time between now and the next broadcast that you have to read, I want you to go back to find out exactly what it was that was the beginning of this section of which verse 12 in chapter 2 of Philippians is the conclusion. Where does the section begin? You take your Bibles, you go back, you search, you read, you try to find out for yourself. And by the way, don't let chapter headings get in your way. I'll just give you this one hint. The answer to the, my question as to where this unit begins is that it goes back into the first chapter somewhere. And in that first chapter, you're going to find a verse that's talking about the same kinds of things, at least some of the same things. You're going to find some of the same ideas that you find in verse 12 of the second chapter. Remember, all the chapter headings were put in later by men who were riding about in, in, on horseback uh, in Europe. None of the chapter headings and none of the verses were in the original writings of the apostles. 
They were put in hundreds of years later, and sometimes those chapter headings got in very unfortunate places, and they broke into the middle of a thought, as they do in this instance. So I want you then to be thinking about this and to be concerned about this and to go back and try to find out what is the context, that is, the verses that come before that lead up to verse 12 of chapter 2 that led Paul to say, so then, whenever you run into a therefore, ask yourself the question, what's the therefore, therefore? And the answer is, it's in order to tell you that something came before, so that you've got to go back and look at the whole argument that leads up to it. Now, let's ask God to bless you in that study. Lord, we pray that there may be real study of the Word of God that develops out of this broadcast and the one to come and even the one following, that people may really dig into the Word to find answers. For Christ's sake, amen.